Good evening. Apologies for my late arrival. <coughs> we are in the middle of discussing these intricate and intriguing halachas of Hitzah. And I think we'll perhaps take it slightly slow again this week when we repeat the halachas that we learned last week because they were a little bit complicated. And then we'll move on to another more practical aspect, angle of Hitzah. And then we'll begin to move into what's r- what I call real Hitzah. This is just the basic background to Hitzah. So just to briefly, but perhaps a little bit slower than usual, repeat that which we learned last week. The first bit of share that we discussed two weeks ago was the last of the four Rishiris, the permitted domain, the Mokipator, which as we described, the Mokipator is an area which is within the Rishus Arabim, more than three Tfachim high from the ground, so it's considered an area in its own right. You can't consider it as part of the main Rishus that it's in. It's less than four Tfachim wide, because had it been four Tfachim wide, that we, we would, it would move into the domain of a Carmelist, wouldn't be considered a Mokim Bator. So it's more than Gimel Tfachim high, less than Dalat Tfachim wide, and it's in Arishus Arabim. That is considered a Mokim Bator, meaning that it has no halachas whatsoever. So Min Hatayra, you're allowed to carry from Arishus Arabim, from a public domain, onto this Mokim Bator, or from Rishus HaYachid onto the Mokim Pator, because the Mokim Pator is not considered a new domain. It's considered a no man's land, and therefore there is no halacha of carrying from one Rishus to another Rishus with regards to the Mokim Pator. However, Chazal did institute one halacha, one area of Issa with regards to the Mokim Pator, and that is if you have a Mokim Pator which is in between a Rishus HaRabim and Rishus HaYachid. So you have a house, and on the, on the edge of the house, opening up right onto the Rishus HaRabim, you have, say, a a small little stool, a step, which opens up onto the Shusharabim. So that step is not considered the Shusharabim because it's three Tfachim high and it hasn't got the criteria for Shusharabim. It's not considered part of the Shusharabim because it's three Tfachim high and less than four Tfachim wide. So it's called the Mokim Pator. So it would be very convenient if you had something in your pocket to place it onto the Mokim Pator, walk into your house, open the door, and then when you're inside the house, take it off the Mokim Pator and bring it into the home. And that way I've transferred, or if you find a purse just outside your front door, Fantastic idea. Pick it up, put it on your... Well, of course, if it's not muksa. Pick it up, put it on the Mokim Bator, go into your house, and then transfer it from the Mokim Bator into your, into your home. That way I can transfer from Rishus Rabin to Rishus Yachid from a public domain to a private domain via a Mokim Bator. Say Chazal, that's also. In order to prevent a person from doing that, they banned using a Mokim Bator as a means to transfer from Rishus Rabin to Rishus Yachid. The examples of a Mokim we gave was, for instance, a bollard, a small little bollard in the, in the street, or a low wall which surrounds a private domain. Since it's a low wall, it doesn't, it's not turning, it's, it's not turning the, the domain behind it, the private domain, into a private domain. That means it's not ten fucking high, it hasn't got the criteria, the conditions to be used as a mechitza for the Rishos HaYachid, so that, then it then becomes a Mokim it has no Rishus in its own right, that's also considered a Mokim Bator, or any area like that, if you have a, a lamppost with a little box on it, all areas like that would be considered a Mokim Bator. The other time, the other part of a Mokim Bator which we described, which, which we explained was the Rishus Rabim above 10 Tfachim. Any area above 10 Tfachim in Rishus Rabim is considered a Mokim Bator. So for instance, if you would take a, a, um, something sticky and throw it against the wall of a house which is bordering onto Rishus Rabim, it would land above 10 Tfachim against the wall in the Rishos Rabim, so you are now picked up something in Rishos Rabim, thrown it against the wall, in Rishos Yachid, thrown it against the wall, 
above 10 Tefachim in the Shosarabim, you've done no Issa, because above 10 Tefachim in the Shosarabim is considered a private domain. It does have halachic connotations. I'm not worried any of you are going to actually throw something against the wall on Shabbos above 10 Tefachim, but it does have other connotations. We might discuss it briefly, mention it briefly later on in this year. But if not, it's not just a piece of information. It does have practical connotations. Above 10 Tefachim is considered a Mokim Patul. Okay, we then moved on to describe, which was the more complicated part of the previous year, what is considered the action of carrying. What do we call an action of transferring? Carrying is not actually the right description. What is called a transferring of an article from one Rishos to another Rishos? And we explained, in order to transfer and transgress the, the Issa of Hitzah, one has to go through a process of three parts. One has to do Akira, we have to uproot the article from the domain that it finds itself in, we have to transfer it to the second domain and transplant it, if that's the right word, place it in the second domain. So we have to do an Akira, a Hitzah, and a Hanacha. Thank you very much. An Akira, a Hitzah, and a Hanacha. Right? Without any of those three, you have not transgressed the Issa of Hitzah, Minatoya. Midrabonon, even with some of those, you have been over an Issa Hitzah. But Minatoya, you have to have all three. An Akira means you've got to uproot it from the Let's talk about going from a private domain to a public domain. You mean you've got to uproot it from the, the private domain. You can uproot an article from a private domain. If it's lying on the floor, if it's lying on the table, and you pick it up, and you then walk out with it, you've now uprooted this article from the private domain. You walk out with it into the public domain. You've now transferred it from the private domain into the public domain. You can uproot by having it in your hand, and then start walking towards the public domain and crossing the threshold into the public domain. Again, the article in your hand, when you're static, when you're standing still, is considered at the point where you're standing. When you start walking, you've uprooted it from that point, you cross over the threshold into the, into the Yishus Arabim, you've transferred it into the public domain. More importantly for today's share is pulling. If you have something heavy on the floor and you just pull it along over the threshold of your house into the Yishus Arabim, that's also considered an Akira. You've uprooted it from its position where it was in the private domain, you've pulled it along, You've transferred it now into the Rishus Rabbim. Again, considered an Akira, and though it's saw, you've done a proper Akira. In reverse, the same thing applies to Hanocha, to placing something down in the second domain. If you've lifted it up in the Rishus Yachid, transferred it to the Rishus Rabbim, you place it on a table or on an area in the Rishus Rabbim, you then now have placed it in the Rishus Rabbim, you'll fulfill the third criteria called Hanocha. Or if you have it in your hand and you just stop, you stand still in the Rishus Rabbim again. The, when you stop, the article which is in your hand is considered placed at the point where you're standing. Therefore, you have now placed the article in the Rishosarabim, and you've fulfilled the criteria of Hanacha with regard to Hesar. And so too, if you will be pulling something along, and you crossed over the threshold of your home, and you stopped pulling it and left it in the Rishosarabim, you've done a full Hanacha. You've done Nakira, Hesar, and Hanacha, and you have transgressed the Malacha of Hesar. We then discussed at length what happens, what do you do if you found something in your pocket. But before we discuss that, there was one area which I forgot to mention, and that is, there is the halachas of it so only apply in if you do it in a normal fashion, a normal manner, like all malachas are only awesome in if they're done in a normal manner. If you do it in an unusual manner, if you carry a, a, a ball in your mouth, then you have not transgressed the malach of it so You've been... You've been over, and this is Rabbanon, because Kilachiyad is also Midrabbanon, but Minhatayah, you have not transgressed Malacha. However, if you take a piece of chewing gum, put it in your mouth in your home, start chewing it, then uproot yourself, walk out the front door, and carry on chewing it in the Rishus Rabbim, and then stop, you have transgressed a Malacha of its soul. And I think the reason, the difference between the ball and the chewing gum is self evident, he doesn't need me to explain that. So, what do you do if you find 
something in your pocket on Shabbos as you walk into shul. So the first thing, the first cardinal rule we explained is make sure you do not stop. Do not stop if you've crossed over the threshold of your home. That means you picked it up, something in your house, and you inadvertently walked out with it, or you had something in your pocket, which you didn't realize, so you had it in your pocket, you put your coat on, so you stopped in your home, and you had this article in your pocket. That article is now considered resting at the place where you have stopped. You then uproot yourself, you walk out the house, and you start walking to shul, and you put your hand in your pocket, and you realize, oh dear, I've got my handkerchief in my pocket. What do I do now? Cardinal rule is, don't stop. Right? You don't have to walk around in a circle. You can carry on walking forward, backwards, irrelevant. Just don't stop. Now, when you've collected your thoughts, the next thing you have to do is remember, if I can return without stopping back to the point where I started, to the Rishus HaYachid that I started from. So I've left my home, and I've walked out of the house, and I've walked into the street, and I'm up the road, and I'm about to turn the corner, and I realize, oh dear, I've got something in my pocket, do an immediate about turn without stopping and go home. If, however, in order to get home, you have to open the door with a key, and you're going to have to stop, in the Rishos Rabbim, say your front door opens up onto the Rishos Rabbim, you're going to have to stop in the Rishos Rabbim before you can actually get into your home, then you have a problem. You can't go home. So, if you can go home, you have a front garden, or you can have, there's somebody in the home that you can smash on the door as you're walking by and just keep walking around in a circle on the spot and wait till they open the door. It's not funny. That's what you'd have to do. And fine, that's the ideal. Do that. If anybody asks you what you're doing, don't stop to explain to him. Just wait. Wait till you uh, have opened the door and got in. When you're inside the home, you're fine. All you've done is, you've taken an article from Rosh Hashanah via Rosh Hashanah back to Rosh Hashanah which is awesome, so at least you haven't transgressed a Malacha Deraisa. If you don't have any of these scenarios, you can't. You can't go home. As I said, for you to be able to go home would mean you'd have to stop. It's not possible for you to go home. Next best would be to go and find another Rosh Hashanah Carry on. If you're walking to shul, carry on walking to shul, but don't stop in the process. If you get to, to a, a zebra crossing or a traffic light, just keep walking around in a circle until you've crossed the zebra crossing or the traffic light. Do not stop. Or you can go into your near neighbor and just leave it in their garden. That would be uh, just as practical. But if you can't go home, put it into another shusayachet again. By doing that, you've transgressed the drabonon. You've walked from one shusayachet to another shusayachet, but you have via shusayachet, but you haven't been over a malacha deraisa. When you do get into the other shusayachet, you drop it. Kilachiyad. So that way you've got two drabonons. You've only transferred it from one shusayachet to another shusayachet, and you've only placed it in an unusual manner. That way you've got no problem. You've got two drabonons. It's much weaker than chasasholom, even being even inadvertently being over a deraisa. If you have stopped in the Rosh Hashanah, you've come out of your home, you've walked into the street, and you stopped at the zebra crossing, you've realized, oh dear, I have something in my pocket. Once you've stopped, it's too late. If you've stopped, you then have inadvertently taken something from Rosh Hashanah and placed it into Rosh Hashanah, because stopping is the equivalent of placing the article at the point where you're standing. So, you've stopped, You've now inadvertently taken something from Rishus Yachid into Rishus Rabim. Too late. Take it out of your pocket, drop it at exactly where you are, and carry on walking to Shul, and don't worry too much about it. In Kippur, you'll sort that out, Be'ez Hashem. But don't move on with it. Stop, drop it, and leave it there. You don't have to drop it Kilachiyad because it's too late. It's already it's in its place in Rishus Rabim. You're just taking it out of your pocket, put it on the floor, and you walk on. If you stopped in Rishus Rabim to cross the road, and you've now started walking again, and you haven't stopped for the second time, you're walking on, and you realize, oh dear, I have something in my pocket. Now, to turn around and go back home would be no good, because you've now uprooted it from the Rishos when you stopped.
to go home would be ta- taking you back into Rishus HaYochid. That's no good. What do you have to do? Turn around without stopping and go back to the point where you originally stopped. So you'll be crossing a zebra crossing, stopping at the other side of the zebra crossing, dropping, dropping the article onto the floor, turning around and going back over the zebra crossing back to Shul. So you will look a bit ludicrous, but you'll get over it. It's worth it. Chazal says, It's best to look like a fool all your life than to be a rush even for one second in front of the Bain Shalom. So you'll, you'll, you'll live it up. You'll live it down. You'll be fine. If you can't do that because you don't remember where you stopped. You can't remember which type of crossing you crossed. And that does happen on a Shabbos. You are a little bit uh, tired and, and muddled and you're not quite sure which type of crossing you used. So you can't just do an about turn and go back to the area that you stopped in Rosh Then, next best is find yourself a Carmelist. Oh, well, if you can find yourself a Mokhan Pator, that would be fantastic. If you can find a little Mokhan Pator, a little bollard, or a little box sticking out of the wall, or on the lamppost, and you can place it there without stopping, you carry on walking and just drop it onto this Mokhan Pator, so then you've not done a second Malachi. You've done one Malachi from Yushus Yachit to the Yushus Rabbim when you first stopped, but then when you moved on, you haven't done a second Malachi of passing something for Amos in the Rishus Rabbim because you placed it onto the Mokhan Pator without stopping. That would be fine. If you can't find a Mokhan Pator, find yourself a Carmelist. A Carmelist is a Rishustra Bonon and drop it Kilachiyad into the Kamalis if you can do that second best you can get away with that as well drop it Kilachiyad and at least you have not transgressed a Malacha Duraisi all you've done is one Malacha Duraisi a Vesheigik sorry one Malacha Duraisi a Vesheigik and the second one a Malacha Drabonon which is two Drabonons because you've even dropped the Kilachiyad if you can't find a Kamalis and you can't find a Rishustra Yachid and you're really stuck then just drop it Kilachiyad without stopping in the Rishustra right you'll just carry on walking and drop it Kilachiyad uh, for instance, uh, Chazal talk about just undoing your belt, your money belt, and just letting it drop. That's not called placing it. That's called kilachiyad. And that way you have, again, only transgressed the drabonon. Yes, you have m- taken an article from one part of Rishus Rabbim to a four hours away in the Rishus Rabbim, but you dropped the kilachiyad, so you haven't transgressed the malachah And that really brings us to the end of where we got to in the previous year. I'm happy to take questions if anybody's struggling with that. No. So, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that. A loose article, so a chair, a bicycle, a bin, etc. A bin is a machlekes aposkim. Something which is movable does not become an erishus in its own right. cannot become its own domain. It becomes part of the domain it's in. So if you have a chair in a rishus arabim, it's not considered a mokim patur. It's considered part of rishus arabim. So if you're walking in rishus arabim and you find something in your pocket and you see a bin, that's no good. Some, there are poskim, the Evanese says it is okay, but ideally that's not, that's not really the best. Don't put them on your face. Because by putting them on your face, you, you are placing it now in, in its position. And when you stop, you will... Uh oh, that's really no good. <laughs> but but you, you can't do... What you have to do is go back to your Rishos HaYochid and then put them on. And then go out. But ideally, you shouldn't be wearing glasses which are only for reading in the street anyway. Because... So you, you, I understand, but there's a problem to wear glasses. We're going to come to that. Uh, well that's just this, as I say, that's real hope. So which articles are you allowed to carry? Which articles are you not allowed to carry? What's called carrying? What's not called carrying? I think we're going to be quite surprised at some of the things that we'll let Chazal consider carrying. And to us, it would seem so obvious that it's not carrying. And some things which Chazal say you're allowed to carry, which to us would seem quite ludicrous. Why on earth are you allowed to carry things like that? We will, that will be, we are come back to Hashem in the coming Shurim. We will discuss that, those at length. Glasses, for instance, is, an, is, a, is a difficulty. Which glasses are you allowed to wear? Which glasses are you not allowed to wear? They're wonderful glasses, Mrs. Graydon. 
Just use them to read good things. <coughs> a fixed bin might be different, yes. Yes, a fixed bin might be different, yes. Just to finish off this, sorry? Might be different, yes. No, a fixed bin, well, it depends on how, how big it is. If it's 10 to fucking map and 4 to fucking wide, it will be uh, cameras, yes. If it's um, smaller than that, it will be a mock at all. One area that we haven't discussed yet of finding something in your pocket is what happens if you walk out and you find you have in your pocket something of value. Something which is valuable and you just don't want to drop it in your next door neighbor's garden or you don't want to drop it in the street. It's much too precious to you. Uh, it's an heirloom, whatever it may be. What do you do? So, of course, if you can turn around without stopping and go back home, etc., or go to shul and leave it in your locker, any, all those situations that we've discussed up until now, fine. If you can do that, that's definitely the, the most ideal, and that's what you should do. We're talking about in a scenario where you can't take it to back home, and you can't take it to shul, etc., without stopping in the process. You're going to end up stopping in the Rishos Rabim. You have to, and then you're going to put it down, etc., but you don't want to lose it. You don't want to leave it in the Rishos Rabim. What do you do? And you can't stand there the whole Shabbos watching over your your diamond ring that, uh, that, that you've, uh, I don't know, you spend millions of pounds on, what are you going to do? You can't, you're stuck. So, Hechazal allow you to, if you did place it in the Shusrabim, so you Kilachiyad, so you had no choice, you stopped and you placed the Kilachiyad, or you didn't stop, you placed the Kilachiyad in the Shusrabim, but you're scared to leave it there, and Chazal allowed you to say to the non-Jew, do you mind doing me a favor, if you find a non-Jew that you know, do me a favor, do you mind looking after this for me? till after Shabbos, and the non-Jew will understand, or might understand, that he, you, he should pick it up and bring it home, and that's fine, you can be miramas, give a hint to the non-Jew, please, this is very precious to me, do you think you better look after it, I've took, taken it out inadvertently, I'm not allowed to leave it, I'm not allowed to carry it home anymore, and I'm very worried about it, can you look after it for me, and either he'll understand and say, okay, and he'll bring it home for you, or he'll look after it till after Shabbos. If you're worried that it's too valuable and the non-Jew is going to take it, and you're going to lose this valuable article, then Chazal even allowed you to ask him, explicitly, can you do me a favor, I'm not about to carry on Shabbos, can you take this home for me? You can walk with him home, and you can ask him to take it home for you, because when it comes to lose a loss of monetary, a monetary loss, Chazal were very makal with regards to Amir al So you're allowed to ask a non explicitly, please do me a favor, can you take this home for me? If you have a non like that, that's fine. If you're actually walking in the street and you find a valuable, uh, valuable article in your pocket, and you know that there's no way you're going to be able to get it back home, or get back to shul, or find a caramelist, etc., anything like that, then keep walking, and if you find the non-Jew, keep walking and tell him, <laughs> it's going to look even more funny, but this is really what you should do. Say to the non-Jew, do you mind walking along with me, and I have this thing in my pocket, which I'm not allowed to <laughs> drop, or, and I'm worried that it's going to get lost. Put your hand out, keep walking, put it into his hand, and then ask him to take it home for you. That way you've done no malacha at all, because you've never stopped in the street with this article. I know it sounds funny, but we're talking about if you have a non-Jew friend who's who, who knows that you're a bit wacky anyway. Worst case scenario. And there's no non-Jews around. Then here Chazal B'di'evad, but it's a very big B'di'evad, allowed you to carry something pochus pochus medaladamus. So if you were in the street in Rosh Hashanah and you stopped already and you found this article which was worth money and you, you know where you were going to leave it in the street. And Chazal said if you can't find a non-Jew to hint to. Or you can't find a non-Jew that you can even ask explicitly. And what you should do is, pick up the article, and walk less than four amas, less than six feet round about. Stop. Start again. Walk less than six feet. Stop. Start again. All the way home. When you get home, throw it into your garden, so that way you've not 
done any Malacha Deraisa. But all you've transgressed is maybe a Malacha Drabon of Kalachayad, but for Hefsad Mama Chazal allowed you to do that. So that is in the worst, worst case scenario. Best is don't go out with anything in your pocket on Shabbos. Second best is don't stop and walk home, walk to another Shishayachit, walk to a Kamalist. Third best is if you find something with value, be Miramas, hint to a non Jew to take it home for you. Can't do that? Ask him explicitly. If you can't do that, then walk pockets, pockets, medaladamas, and when you get to your shusayachid, throw it in the shusayachid kilachiyad, and that way you've done the least amount of malachas, and you've saved your article. <coughs> if you find yourself in a caramelist, not in a shusayachim, though we have to take on the most of our streets are a shusayachim, but if, say, you're in a cul-de-sac, which is definitely only a caramelist and not a shusayachim, then... Again, you can't find a non-Jew, then Chazal allowed you to pick it up and run home as fast as you can. Uh, specifically to run, because to show you that you, what you're doing is a bit of but you don't have to do it daladalad, you can pick it up and just run home as fast as you can and place it because it's a Kamalism, because it's a Hefzimam and Chazal were more mekel and allowed you to do that. But that's a really a far-fetched scenario because hopefully you will find a non-Jew and you shouldn't really have to resort to uh, things like that. To find a non-Jew. And you're not even sure if they're going. <laughs> There's another heter in carrying in the or carrying uh, carrying at all, which is minatayer. M- m- removes the Esau though Midrabonon there is a, a, a you're still called transferring and that is to carry somebody who can walk on their own we all know that a live person weighs much less than they would if they're not alive life gives a person a certain buoyancy a certain person carries themselves when they're alive Chazal understood from that therefore if you carry a live person what you're really doing is you're not carrying him. He's really carrying himself and you're just aiding him. And therefore, that's not considered carrying at all. So to carry a live person who can walk is not considered carrying. So you carry an adult or a child, etc., who can walk on their own, that's fine. Minatayr, it's fine. Midrabonon, Chazal said no. Though Chai noises that's me, but Midrabonon, they forbade you from carrying a child or a person who can walk. They said that's also considered Midrabonon and Isra Hitsar. But Minatayr, Chai noises that's me, would allow you to carry a person who can walk, a baby who can't walk, or an old man who can't walk, or, or somebody who's tied up so he can't walk, then they're not considered a chai, and because they can't walk on their own, it's considered you are carrying them, and you have trans- transgressed the malacha de raisa of Hitzah. <coughs> so practically speaking, I know it sounds, uh, sounds uh, slightly outlandish, this halacha, but it has a lot of practical connotations. Taking a, a toddler for a walk on Shabbos, and uh, inevitably you can walk him during the week miles, and he'll always walk comfortably, and it'll be fine. But no doubt, the minute you walk out with him on Shabbos, he's going to sit down on the street and refuse to move. What do you do? What do you do? You have this little child, he's sitting himself on the street, and he's refusing to badge, and probably bang in the middle of the road as well. What do you do? Now here is where the halacha of pulling really becomes a practical halacha. If you would schlep him, pull him across the street, you would pull him, well, let's, t- let's not talk about the street because that's dangerous. Let's talk about he's on the pavement. And you start pulling him home and you say, come on, let's go, young clown. You just pull him and pull him. You have done a malacha deraisa, or at least a malacha derabonon. You're pulled. Pulling means you've done an akira. You've done a, a, a transfer, a hitzah, 
when he resists and stops pulling. Pulling is considered nakira hetzon hanocha. So you cannot, and any under any certain under any conditions, pull this child along. Which will be the simplest thing to do: just step him along, keep pulling him till you get to the house, and, and uh, when you're inside closed doors, you give him a puff. But before then, that would be the simplest thing to do. But unfortunately, pulling is a problem. Now you're not being over nisidereisa because this child can walk, and because the child can walk. So he will, he will be called Chai Nasef Atzmois. Even when you pull him, you won't be transgressing a Malacha Deraisa. But you will be transgressing a Malacha Drabonon. So you cannot pull him on the street just because he's refusing to go. And to pick him up and carry him is definitely Asa. Because again, you're, by picking up, you're doing an Akira. Walking with him, you're doing a Hitzah. And placing him down, you're doing a Hanacha. So you end up again trans- transgressing the Malacha Hitzah Midrabonon. So what do you do? If you can hold his hand and with a little bit of encouragement, he might not want to walk on his own, but he might walk by you helping him along, that's fine, because at the end of the day, he's moving one, one leg in front of the other, he's actually doing the action of walking, that's not called pulling, that's clearly called him walking, and you're just giving him a little bit of encouragement, that's fine, so yes, if you have a, a, a child who can be pl- pl- placated just like that, by holding his hand and walk along, fantastic, you have to show him to grow up to be a goggle, and you can take him home like that, but if, you, if this child's like most children, who will refuse even to hold his hand, what do you do? Now, again, we'll go through a few scenarios, best option to worst option, and hopefully you should never find yourself in this situation. What you should understand is that if there's an element of risk of a child refusing to walk home, don't take him out on Shabbos. That is the simplest. We'll come to that in a moment, what you should do. We'll come to that in a moment. We'll go from worst, worst to, to, to best scenarios. Uh, is, is, so you have a different problem here. Is the reins called part of the child, is not called part of the child? Is there, we'll discuss that Mr. we're going to go through all different articles of a person but before we move on here what you do have to remember when it comes to Chaimosis Atzmoy is if the child's carrying something in his pocket or in his hand and you pick him up then you've transgressed the Malacha Deraisa because Chaimosis Atzmoy only helps us with regards to the child itself but if the child has something else in his pocket that's it so, you've re- so, so it could be in some cases by pulling along the child in the street you're not only transgressing a Drabonon you could even be transgressing so you have to be really careful with this child. As I say, keep him behind locked doors over Shabbos, that's the safest. If you do find yourself in the street, what do you do? If you can find a non-Jew uh, and the child won't panic, who can pick him up and take him home for you, you can explicitly ask the non-Jew, do me a favor, I'm not to carry on Shabbos, I know it looks mad, pick up this child for me and take him home, I only live three miles away, can you please bring him home and drop him in my, in my front garden. If you can do that, that's, that is the best take a non-Jew to take him home. If you can't find a non-Jew, <laughs> or your child will panic, which is probably the most likely, then what's the next best scenario? So here Chazal came along with a, a new initiative, which, they're, they're, though it's again Osamid Rabbonon, but they wavered that in order to allow you to get this child home. And that's what we call Shnaim Shosu. What you should do is, if you have two of you there, so if the husband and wife or two women are going for a walk with this child, and there's two of you there and this child's refusing to go home, one of them should pick him up, walk less than Daladamus, hand him over to the next one, the next one should walk less than Daladamus, hand him over to the next one, and then backwards and forwards till you get home. That way you've got less than Daladamus plus you've never done no, no person has walked more than Daladamus. You've kept moving it across one to the other. And that way you've diminished a little bit 
the amount of Hitzor that's taking place here. So if you can do that, that is definitely the next best. No, keep passing. Less than Dalaramas, don't stop, pass. Next one will walk. Don't pass, and you're fine. I think after a couple of times the child will start walking again, but... If there isn't two of you there and you're walking on your own and you're in a situation where he's refusing to go home, then again, Pocus Pocus and Daladamus is the third best scenario. So you'll pick him up, you'll walk less than Daladamus, stop, carry on, walk less than Daladamus, stop, carry on, walk less than Daladamus, and eventually you'll get home. You can put him down in the Daladamus as well, yes. But you don't have to, there's no halacha that you have to hold him, because stopping is the same as putting him down. So once you've stopped, you can place him down as long as you don't go over the Daladamus. All these etzers, except for the one of asking a non-Jew, only helps us with regards to the actual walking in the Rishos Arabim. So we shouldn't transgress walking Daladamas in the Rishos The problem is, what do you do when you get to your front garden? When you get to your front garden, you can't just walk across the threshold of the, of the gate holding your child, because then you definitely are transgressing the malacha of Rishos Arabim to Rishos Ayochid. So you're a little bit stuck. And to throw him down Kilachiyad, you'll probably have the social services onto you. So you really are in a bit of a pickle. So now, if you can find a non-Jew walking around your house, please ask the non-Jew. If you can't find a non-Jew, you're stuck. But then you can't pull him across. And if he refuses, you bribe him corruption. <laughs> if you have a mock and by the front door, and that's okay, because even though transferring from Rishus Rabim to Rishus Yachid via this Machim Batoy is also Midrabonon, but again, the Drabonon's Chazal wavered for the safety of the child. But if you don't have any of that, yes, you're going to have to resort to bribery corruption or try to put him down Kalachiyad and make sure nobody who's a professional is watching. It's difficult. That is really a bit of a, a, catch, a catch per little issue here, how to cross him the threshold. But if you're outside your front door, hopefully you will, you will find some, some way to get him across. Bring out a teddy bear and it'll be fine. If you really are stuck, and the last case scenario, this is what you should do. Get somebody inside the house to come to the front garden. Stand by the gate. Don't, don't stay inside the gate and put your hands outside of the gate. So you're still inside the gate. And you're putting your hands outside the gate. If you can put your hands above ten tefachim of the Rishas Rabbim, you're even better according to some poskim, because it might be considered a mokim patur. You then, who are standing outside with the child, will pick the child up, put it in the hands of the person who is in the Rishas HaYochid, with his hands outside the Rishas HaRabim. But since he has his hands outside the Rishas HaRabim, it's not considered you placing it into the Rishas HaYochid. It's considered placing it in midair. He then takes that child and brings it over the fence into the garden. He hasn't done a proper Nakir and either because he didn't lift it up in the Rishas HaRabim. He's taken it from the midair and he's put it down into the Shusayachid. And that way, the two of you together have managed to get around the technicality of carrying Shusayachid to Shusayachid. You might have been over Drabonon, but for the safety of a child, Chazal wavered the Drabonon. So, I know it looks funny and it looks strange, but these are the only ways you can get around carrying a child who's stubborn, as most children are, in Shusayachid. If he stops in the middle of the street, and he's stuck in the middle of the street, and you're worried, you know, there's, there's a, a bus or a juggernaut coming down at, at, uh, at the speed, just pick him up and run. Don't wait. Or if you're in a dangerous area and your child refuses to go, pick him up and run home. There Chazal said, like we saw before, with, with regards to a camelist, in any 
difficult to just run. And when you get to your, to, to your safe area, if you can go through the motions without being over any malacha, fine. If not, put in bankalachi out or go through the, the same motions as getting somebody inside the house to come out, put the hands out, etc. But in a case of sakona, whatever the sakona is, don't wait. Or if the child panics to the degree that you, you feel that the child is at risk of really damaging himself, and then again, just pick him up and carry and run. But as you can see, the ideal situation is to leave him, definitely leave him at home. Where this is, is, is again practical, where Chazal discusses at length, is very much with the halachas of brismila. In the olden days, it was quite fashionable to have brismilas in shul, as it is in our shul, and not to do it at home, and they liked to do it in Shabbos in, in shul as well. So in the little villages and the towns where they had an area, it was fine. They would take the, the baby to shul on Shabbos, and they would do the brismila in shul on Shabbos. But what would happen if it was a town where there was no brismila, no um, area, and no doubt the wife didn't fancy sleeping in shul over Shabbos, so what should one do? So here Chazal weren't so happy, and they said, look, at the end of the day, if the moral can come to the house, Shuls are very nice Indian, yeah, the candles are beautiful, but at the end of the day, there's no chiv to do in shul, there's no mitzvah to do in shul. It's a nice, it's a very nice Indian, but there's no mitzvah. Do it at home. Do it at home. Don't be transgressed any melachas, just do it at home. If you cannot bring the moral to your house because he's a stubborn moral and refuses to come to your house, or because he can't walk and therefore it's too far for him to come to your house and he's the only moral in town, so then the next best is to ask a non-Jew to take this child for you to shul. At Tzayich Mitzvah, we'd assume that the streets are considered a Carmelist, though for us ourselves, we always take on a, a street to consider Shasarabim, but in certain cases, when it comes to asking a non-Jew, we are Mekel, because there are some shitters that our streets are considered a Carmelist, so we're Mekel, and we allow you to take this child to shul, shus to shus, the Tzayich Mitzvah, we allow you. If the Moel forgot his knife, for instance, or something like that, again, if there's a, a guy, you can ask a non-Jew to go and fetch a knife for you, and bring it, if you can't find a non-Jew, it's just too bad, and the bris will have to be postponed until the next day. And even though we're postponing a mitzvah deraisa of Yom Hamil, of Yom Ches, nothing you can do about it. It's too late. You can't pick him up and run out of your house because you'll be over Malacha deraisa. All you can do is wait for the next day and do the bris the next day. Okay, that brings us really to the end of what I would like to call just the basic foundation of Hutzah. Yes, it's been very nice and practical, but it's really... The background to it saw the different four Rishuyos, Rishos Rabim, the public domain, the private domain, the Carmelist, which is, which is a mixture of Rishos Rabim and Rishos and the Mokabator, which is the domain which has no permitted domain, which has no Shem Rishos to it at all. We then discuss how one does an action of Hitzor, Akira, Hitzor and Hanocha, and the difficult, the difficult situations of a child, etc. If you find something in your pocket, how to use the knowledge that we've learned of the Rishuyos and what the action of Hitzor is to minimize the amount of chasr shalom malacha of Hitzor that a person will have to transgress. The next section, the next part of Hitzor's Hitzor, we'll just very, very briefly, because we're coming out, running out of time, time, very briefly run through just the, the main criteria of what's called carrying. Now, we all know that if we wear clothes on Shabbos, there's nothing wrong, that's not called carrying, right? If we wear jewelry, is that called carrying? Well, we do wear jewelry, but is it called carrying? Is it, is it not called carrying? Um, what constitutes an article that's called being carried and what's not being called carried. That means we know that when you're carrying something, if you have an article in your hand, you're definitely carrying it. And if you carry it by doing an akir and hanocha and a hitzah and hanocha, you're definitely transgressing a malacha But not everything is called being carried. 
Sometimes things are not called being carried, like my jacket. If I walk out with a jacket on, I haven't carried it. I'm wearing it. And wearing does not constitute carrying. So I can stop in my house, walk over the, over the threshold, stop in the street comfortably, and I've done no malach at all. What articles are called carried, and when, are, when is an article not called carried? And that's really where the bulk of the malach so saw is relevant to. And that's what we're going to spend the next couple of shurim discussing. But I'm going to run through just the criteria of what do we call something being carried, which articles are called carried, which articles are considered part of the person, so therefore they're not called carried. Any article which is a garment being worn, not being carried, any article which is a garment and is worn, or it's an ornament and is being worn. Now, an ornament doesn't have to be jewellery. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we'll see. An article which is, which is a garment and it's being worn, a tachshit, uh, ornament, and it's being worn. If you, had an, 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 if you carried your coat in the street, you're definitely carried. It's still a garment, but that's called carrying. But a garment that you're wearing is considered, not considered uh, being carried, or an ornament that you're wearing is not considered being carried, and you're wearing it in a normal manner, that's fine. That, will not be, that would not be considered carrying. If the article is not considered a garment, and it's not considered an ornament, right? Now, and you're wearing it in its normal manner, but it might not be considered not an, a, a garment, and it's not considered an ornament, then you cannot wear that on Shabbos in the street. You can't carry it out from your house into the street. We'll, we'll discuss all these cases in detail. We'll go through the, the historical ones, we'll, we'll try and find the practical ones as, we, as they are today. Something that there's a worry that you might take it off to show, right? You might, take, you might be wearing it, and wearing it is fine, but Chazal were worried in certain cases that you might actually take it off because you met your friend and you want to show them, wow, I've just received this most wonderful, whatever it may be, piece of jewellery, piece of clothing, whatever, but there's a worry that you might take it off to show, which is quite a normal thing for a woman to want to do, and there don't mean anything derogatory there, <laughs> then, again, Chazal said, Midra Bonon, you are not allowed to wear that on Shabbos. And that's where the worry of jewellery comes into play, and we will discuss all at length with Hashem when we go through the, the detail of it. When it comes to a man... Is there worry by a man he might take it off and show his friend? Well, if Chazal lived in today's generation, they probably would say yes. But in the time of Chazal, there was a big machlekes about in the Rishonim. Do men actually take things off to show or do they not? And that's a, a machlekes whether we have to worry about these articles when it comes to a man. Something which is loose. A loose article. You could be wearing it. It could be a garment. It could be an ornament, but it's loose. Chazal said if it's loose, there's a worry it might fall off. You'll pick it up and carry it. So they forbade you from wearing something loose. So as a, just a, a wild example, wearing slippers in the street can be a problem. Something that you're wearing, but you're worried, or Chazal were worried, that people would laugh at you. And none of us want to be laughed at. We all like to be perceived as normal people. No one wants to be laughed at. So if you are in the street and you realize that somebody's looking at you a bit funny and you, because you're wearing a jumper which says, I don't know what on it, and you suddenly realize, oh dear, that's no good. Um, what the, your natural reaction is going to be to take it off and carry it. So anything that you might be laughed at, Chazal said, it's no good, and you cannot wear it on Shabbos in the street. There are other things that Chazal said you're not allowed to wear because of Maris Ayin. It looks like you're carrying. You're not really carrying. It's really being worn, or it's really an ornament which is being worn, but Chazal said it looks like you're carrying, and they forbade you to wear that because of Maris Ayin. Another strange halacha, but this is clearing Gemara in Chazal. In, in the time of the Gemara, Chazal forbade you to wear something that if you had to go to mikveh, be it a man, be it a woman, would have to go to mikveh at that point, you would have to take it off because it would be a problem of chatzisa. Chazal said you're not allowed to wear that on Shabbos. So for instance, hairbands and things like that, which could 
be a chatzitza. Because that will worry you'd be in the middle of Shabbat, you suddenly realize, oh dear, I've got to go to Mikvah. I know it sounds funny. And you'd go there and you'd take this ornament off, or you'd take this hairband off, or wherever it may be, and you'd not put it back on afterwards. You'll end up. We're not going into halachas of Mikvah now. We're talking about Hesus Hitzor. You would end up carrying it. It's irrelevant in whether we are going to go to Mikvah today or not. That's not the point. The point is there are some articles which Chazal said you mustn't wear on Shabbos because in the time of Chazal they would have might have gone to. We'll come back to Dor Metzeshem. You might come and carry it. There are things which are not being worn as a garment. They're being worn to prevent a person from getting dirty. What Chazal call atzulei tinuf. There is something which is being worn not as a garment, but just purely to protect someone from getting dirty is not considered a malbush, is not considered clothing, and therefore it's also to wear on Shabbos. I know it's quite a lot of, a lot of criteria, a lot of halachas here. We will go through each one, different articles, and we'll describe which ones are mutter, which ones are also, and to which category they go into. Are they going to the category which allows you to wear them? Is it going to the category which says, you're not allowed to wear it on Shabbos? We will try our best to make it as clear as possible and go through all the different articles in the coming shurim. Don't panic. You are allowed to wear your clothes and you can wear your jewellery, but we will discuss why in the coming shurim. <coughs> Just to finish off with a brief Dvah Halacha, I would like to share with you a Dvah Torah that I said this morning, but perhaps turn it slightly more applicable to the shir that we're discussing here. We discussed this morning at the bris, the wonderful bris this morning, the pasuk that when Yaakov first left to go to Golos, he arrived at the wells. So those of you who were at the bris this morning, I'm going to say something slightly different. Please don't panic. The, he arrived at the well, and the pasuk tells us, and he saw this well in the middle of the field, and there was three flocks of sheep crouching around the well, it's from that well that they would water, they would give to drink these flocks of sheep. There was this huge stone on top of the well. And they would wait till all the flocks would gather together there, and then the shepherds would be able to be able to roll this, this stone off. They would then give to drink to the sheep. They would place the stone, replace the stone back on its place on top of the well. The Medrash tells us a very interesting idea which lies behind this posuk. Now this is really a remez, it's a metaphor for what's going to happen in the future in Kali Yisrael. And the Medrash says like this, it says, This well in the field, that's Yerushalayim. The three flocks of sheep, that's the three Yom Tovim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos. What does it mean from that well they will be able to Draw water. It means from Yisham Hayyashayvim Ruach Hakodesh from Tzion from Yerushalayim from the base of Mikdash. They'll be able to draw the Ruach Hakodesh. The next Yisham Kol Adarim Begalu Es Evan Merpia Be'er. That's the Simchas Beis Hasheva, which Chazal tell us from Yisham Shayvim Ruach Hakodesh. When the Kaddish all gathered together into the base of Mikdash and they they had the Simchas Beis Hasheva, the Yerushalmi tells us that Yonah received his Nevoa at the time of the Simchas Beis Hasheva, and when they were finished, they Shiva Es Evan. They will place it back to protect it until the coming Yom Tov when they would roll it off again and again receive that spiritual nourishment that they so desperately need. The Medrash is telling us here a very fundamental understanding of the Pasuk. The Pasuk is a remez, is a hint as to the future of Kralisol. The Kralisol always needs to have a, a spiritual sustenance. And where's that be'er? Where's that spiritual water? Where's that sustenance that will keep Kralisol going 
from year to year or around the different, up, different parts of the year, that's Sion, that's the base of The base of we would go up, the Oile Regal, three times a year, the Gimel Edre Sion Rav Simulea, three times a year we would go up and we would go into the base of Migdash, we would be Shoy of Ruch HaKodesh, each one of us on our own Madrego, we would draw this tremendous Ruch HaKodesh, this spiritual sustenance, and we'd be able to go back home and exist, continue to exist spiritually for another few months till we come back again to draw some more of that spiritual water. Nowadays we don't have a base of Migdash, so the Mepharshim discussed different parts of spirituality which are compared to Be'er. This morning we discussed Torah. As we know, Be'er Shulmaim is, 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 a, is a analogy to Torah. But there's another source of sustenance which is also called the Be'er, and that's Shabbos. Shabbos is very much a source of sustenance. Shabbos is spiritual sustenance. Shabbos is a day of the week which, which helps us propel ourselves right there through the coming week until we get to the next Shabbos and we can draw some more spiritual sustenance which will again enable us to move on to the next, on the, through the next week. Shabbos is considered the Be'er. The three Edrei Soin which are raised in the are the three Sudas of Shabbos. You have a, a Sudas Leo Shabbos. You have a Sudas Shachris. A Sudas Shlishis. There's three parts of Shabbos as we've discussed many times and they are the three parts of Shabbos which each one of those will give us its own element of spirituality that we so desperately need to help us through the next week. <coughs> Coming together in Shabbos it's the very beginning to come together on Shabbos, but very much so Shabbos we go to Shul, we go to Shul to we learn Torah Shabbos is a time where we can connect ourselves to this Be'er Mayim, to this spirituality, and really draw a tremendous sustenance. But there's the Heshivas Evan Rapia Be'er. Here the Pasuk is telling us something very fundamental. In order to get to Shabbos, Shabbos has a rock over it. Shabbos one can't just walk into Shabbos and expect Shabbos to give us that sustenance. One has to work hard, one has to be toil, one has to remove the rock which prevents the, the spirituality of Shabbos from reaching you. You have to remove that rock, and only then can you actually enter into the well of Shabbos, can you actually enter into this tremendous rock that Shabbos gives us, and glean everything that we need to, take everything that you need, you need to take from that Shabbos. But when Shabbos is finished, you need to protect Shabbos as well. Shabbos needs protecting, Shabbos has to have the stone put back on it. Chas v'shalom to go through a Shabbos without treating the Shabbos in the way Shabbos needs to be treated, without wor- worrying about Hitzor, which you can see is so complicated, and all the other halachas that we've learned, Bishul, etc. To, re- to treat Shabbos without the respect that it needs, without the protection that it needs, is, the, is a tremendous chill of Shabbos, and that itself would reduce the amount of spiritual nourishment that we, we can gain for Shabbos. That's perhaps a message for us here in the Shir here, where we're learning Hittal Shabbos, to take from this week's Hedra, that yes, Shabbos is a be'er, we can connect to Shabbos and receive tremendous spirituality from Shabbos, but we have to push the rock off, which protects us, which, which protects Shabbos, and allow ourselves to enter into the be'er and draw that sustenance, and then we have to remember to protect the Shabbos itself by placing the rock, replacing the rock again, after Shabbos, to make sure the Shabbos Chashashalom is not being desecrated in any way at all. And the schus of keeping Shabbos, as Chazal tell us, if we all keep two Shabbos Shabboses properly, we will be zeichet to the Beis HaGol, we should maybe be zeichet to keep two Shabboses properly, and to the Beis HaGol, we may be Amen.